James chapter 3, the tongue, the tongue, I'm in Thessalonians, James chapter 3, I'm going to read several verses so we don't have to keep rereading them, but James chapter 3 says this, my brethren be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, and that they may obey that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth of the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of his good work, good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthy, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But let the wisdom that is from above, but that wisdom which is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's pray. Father, thank You, Lord, for James chapter 3. We have to be reminded constantly about the words that come out of our mouth that proceed from our heart. So, Lord, I pray You'd speak to our our hearts tonight, most of all. And, uh, Lord, help us to uh, to put a guard around them, to check them, to find out what is in our heart, see it, because it will come out in the words that we speak. Lord, please speak to us about the tongue, this little member that boasts such great things and kindles such great fires even in amongst the church members. So Lord, help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The tongue. It's a good good use for duct tape, by the way, if you ever just want to keep your mouth shut, just put some duct tape on it. But it is an amazing piece of design. God created the tongue. And do you know the tongue is the only muscle in the human body that works without any support from the skeleton? I don't know what it's attached to down there, but it just works on its own. It's not attached to any bone like your biceps and your triceps and all those things. It's not attached to the skeleton. And know this. You never hear the saying, has the cat got your tongue? Cat got your tongue? Well, that apparently developed back in Assyria some 2,500 years ago. Armies that were conquered, the soldiers had their tongues cut out 
and they were fed to the king's cats. Cat got your tongue? So that's where that came from, apparently. Wikipedia knows everything, with Google. But I read that there, and uh, the tongue also has 10,000 taste buds. That's a lot of taste buds. And as some say, it's one of the strongest muscles in the body for the size of it. Well, it certainly does a lot of talking, I know that. But it has four different tastes. Can anybody tell me what the four tastes are? Sweet. Sour. Everybody speaking at once. Salty. And bitter. Now, I don't think... Some say there's five. I didn't even write it down. I thought there was only four. Okay? It's sweet, sour, bitter, and salty. Here's another thought. The tongue is controlled by your will. It's not involuntary. The heart is involuntary. It just beats. I don't have to tell it beat, 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 and if I forget to tell it, it stops beating. It beats on its own. Beat, beat, beat. All by itself, right? But my tongue can be quiet if I want it to be. Or my tongue can speak if I want it to. I control that by my will. So, thankfully, the heart just beats on its own. But look, as far as an introduction, the most amazing thing that the tongue can do is form words. It's, it helps us to form words. And the Bible, the Bible tells us a great deal about our tongues and the words and speech, both good and bad. Now, I didn't want to go through all the different um, verses. So I just, wanted to, I just wanted to tell them to you. Otherwise, we'd be here all night. But the good, here's the good about the tongue. It speaks comforting words. You can be a comfort to someone and speak encouraging, comforting words. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. Is that the one? Apples of gold and pictures of silver. It can speak wisdom, but the tongue of the wise is health, the Bible says. A wholesome tongue with wholesome words from the Bible. We can speak what the Bible says. It can speak grace. It can speak encouragement, instruction, warning. A soft tongue breaketh the bone. You know, you can turn back such anger with just a soft word. A soft answer turneth away wrath. You can speak kindness. It can bless. It can speak the truth. Amen? Remember when we spoke nothing but lies and now we can speak the truth. And it can preach the Gospel. And there's probably a multitude of other things that the tongue can do. But it can also do some bad things. It can lie. It can pierce like a sword. Which means it can hurt people. You can stab people. It can really hurt them down deep in their hearts. And it can be naughty. It can say nasty things, the tongue. It can be a backbiting tongue by slandering and gossiping and talking behind people's backs as, as a talebearer. It can flatter. By the way, they used to say flattery will get you nowhere. It shouldn't because flattery is false praise. It's not genuine praise. It's false praise. But the tongue flatters. It speaks perversely. It's, that means it speaks that which is turned from the right or truth. That's a perverse tongue. It speaks violence, which means it promotes contention and fighting among people. It is a rod of pride. Wow. It says evil things. It scorns and boasts against God. Psalm chapter 1. That's the tongue. It can be good, it can be used for good, or it can be used for bad. Now look at verse 2. In James chapter 3. Look at verse 2. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, 
and is able also to bridle the whole body. So verse tells us, verse 2 tells us that the perfect man or the mature Christian guards his tongue. He's very careful about what comes out of his mouth. The mature Christian has learned to put into practice that guarding our heart will be the thing that will put the bridle on our tongue. It's guarding your heart that will keep those bad words and those, those hurting words from coming out of your mouth. But what about the power of the tongue? The power of the tongue. Verses 3-6, through six, we read them so we don't have to read them again. It's just a little member, but it's able to direct our entire body. And how can that happen? Because the tongue is, is connected directly to the heart. It's what comes out of a man that defileth him. It's what we say and what we do that defiles us. And the tongue is connected directly to the heart. What is in your heart? What we say comes from our heart. And the heart, in our heart, is what we are. It is what we are. So, uh, two illustrations there. One is in verse 3. And um, it's the bit in a horse's mouth. You know, a horse can weigh anywhere from 800 to 1,200 pounds. Sometimes even more. But if you put a bridle on it and put a, a little girl, all she's got to do is a little tug here and a little tug there, and she can turn that horse wherever she wants it. It's amazing what that bridle, that bit in that horse's mouth will do. We can put that bit in the horse's mouth and control a huge animal like that. It's also akin to the rudder on a ship. Aircraft carriers, tankers, turn on such a small rudder compared to the ship. So is the tongue. Has such power over our body and direction because it comes from our heart. Huge sailing ships with all those sails and and the wind blowing against it. But that little rudder can turn that whole ship. A lot of power in the tongue. Let's look at some some verses of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 and in verse 3. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 3. The power of the tongue. Proverbs 14.3 says, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. So, in the mouth of the foolish is that rod of pride, that boasting, Look at chapter 13 and in verse 10. Just turn back. Chapter 13 and verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So it would pay us to keep this tongue from boasting and uh, scorning and, and saying things against other people. Because only by pride cometh contention or fighting and striving between the brethren. Look at chapter 18, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 6. Eighteen six says, A fool's lips enter into contention. A fool's lips enter into contention. And his mouth calleth for strokes. It produces contention and strife. That means it gets us into trouble. What we say, what we say, uh, can really get us into a lot of trouble. The things, the words that come out of our mouth. But those words only come out because of what's in our heart. What's already controlling our tongue is, it, is what's in our heart. Boasting and pride and contention and strife. 
That doesn't come from here. It comes from here. So this is the thing that we have to guard. This is what needs to be changed. This is what needs to be checked. It's the heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1. I'm sorry, 21. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Life and death in the power of the tongue. You could speak evil or you could speak good. You could speak help or you can speak bad things to people. Life and death in the power of the tongue. It made me think of, it made me think of, uh, now he did it with his hand, but Caesar, whether he wanted someone to live or die. You know, he could just say, they'll live or they'll die. And think of how powerful our tongue is that we can either speak evil or we can speak good to people. That's the power of the tongue. The greatest evil and the greatest good can be done, be done by what we say. But what we say. Proverbs chapter 12. Look at Proverbs chapter 12. There's a lot in the Bible about the tongue. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The tongue can cut somebody down and hurt somebody in such a way, it's almost like a sword. It can cause such pain in somebody's life, the way we can speak to somebody, the way we can hurt them with our words. The, the, the tongue is very powerful. But one is acting like a fool and the other is acting like a wise man. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Well, the opposite of a wise man is a fool. So when we do that, we're acting like a fool. We're using our tongue to hurt people. But my friend, it started right here in our hearts. It's, this is where it has started. Now back in, turn back to uh, James. James chapter 3, look at verse 5. James chapter uh, 3 verse 5 says this, Even so the tongue is a little member, just a tiny thing, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know, our pride, and when we we have anger down deep inside of us, it can cause such contention between brothers in the Lord. People in the church get upset at one another and start saying things that they shouldn't say. It is the fuel for a big fire. You see? You see what it says? Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Oh, be careful what you say. Don't we sing that to the little kids, don't we? Be careful what you say. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Ungodly desires in our own life are the fuel are the fuel for contentious and hurtful words. Be careful what's in your heart. The tongue, the tongue can cause a war. People, we've had wars over over countries talking back and forth at each other and past each other. Why the tongue? What comes out of this mouth? Sometimes we just need to put the duct tape over it. Just be quiet. Not say anything. Because what come out, what can come out can be very hurtful and it can cause a great fire. Verse six, the Bible says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. So the tongue is a fire. It's hateful, hurtful words that can come out of our mouth to our 
to some people that we've known for years, that are our friends. We could say such hurtful things. Such anger can come out. And it comes out in hurtful words. It's like a fire. And it destroys. It can get out of control like a fire. Very quickly, it can escalate. Look at Proverbs 16. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. Oh, be careful what you say. Be careful what's in your heart. Proverbs chapter 16 and in verse 27. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 27. Look, it says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Notice it's an ungodly man who offends. The person who goes looking and searching for something to dig up on somebody. To say some hurtful words to somebody. Don't go looking for a reason to hurt someone. Don't go looking for a reason to strive and contend with your brother. Because that's what's in your heart. But it's coming out in your words. And in his lips there is a burning fire. Just to hurt people and destroy. Look at chapter 6 verse 12. Chapter 6 verse 12. A naughty person, a wicked man walketh with a froward mouth. Oh, the things that we can say. Well, maybe we don't say them. Maybe they're just on the tip of our tongue. Some naughty, nasty things. They come from our heart. It's what comes out of a man that defileth him. And it would be good to keep our mouths shut and get on our knees and ask God to forgive us of what we're thinking about and what's down deep in our heart. Because sooner or later, if you entertain it and nurture it, it's going to come out. What's in here will eventually come out here. We'll say it. And the Bible says here, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth against God. Look at chapter 18, verse 19. Chapter 18, verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Now how hard it is to get into a defended castle? Try making amends with a brother that's offended. After you've hurt him with your words, after you've wounded him and his spirit is wounded, try getting him back on your side. Try mending that relationship. It would be easier to take a castle than to win that brother back. Oh, be careful what you say to each other. If you don't have anything good to say, you ought to just keep your mouth shut. Or get on our knees and ask God to check my heart. Why am I feeling like this? Why, why am I harboring this, this anger inside of me? It's me. It's not Him. The poison is in me. And I don't want it to explode and hurt everyone else. Our hearts can be a world of iniquity. Full of sin. And we can hurt people. And it defiles our walk with God. Evil thoughts and evil words. It's unbelievable the power of such a little member, our tongue. Now look at the untamed tongue back in James chapter 3. Left to itself. It's an amazing verse there in verse uh, verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Our One minute we're blessing God, in the church and we're singing praises to the Lord and singing hymns and the next minute we're talking and slandering and gossiping and tailbearing against 
our brothers in the Lord and our sisters in the Lord. It blesses God, this little thing, but it curses men made in the similitude of God. You know, it's easier to tame a tiger and a lion. I mean, if you've ever been to the circus, tigers and lions and elephants and all these things, you wouldn't want to meet up with them in the woods and, and uh, in the wild, but here they are. Look at them. It's more difficult to tame than a tiger or a lion. But you can tame them. But the people sitting next to you are cursing like sailors. You know, you're watching the circus and you see a lion that's being tamed or he's doing what he's told to do, but the guy sitting next to you is cursing. Don't try telling him to stop either. That wouldn't be a good idea. It'd be better to just move or, or leave him and get out of there. The tongue. It's a wild and evil poison is what it is. It can be anyway. It's a little member that can stir up great things. It can cause such problems. Look in verse 8. In verse 8 it says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. Wow, full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. Look at Romans chapter 3. Let's look at some verses here. Romans chapter 3 and in verse 13. You wouldn't think that you had poison in your words, but you do. If they're hurtful, hateful words, if they come from a heart that's full of anger and sin, we can say some awful things to people. Romans 3.13 says, Their throat is an open sepulcher. What's a sepulcher? It's a grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. It's, it's evil. There's poison there. Look at Psalm 140. Psalm 140. And verse 3. Psalm 140 and verse 3. Psalm 140 and verse 3 says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Selah. You know, an adder, a snake, serpent, attacks quick. And when it bites, it injects its poison. And that's what it equates to our tongue sometimes. They've sharpened their tongue like a serpent. And the bite is coming. And their words, their hurtful words, adder's poison is under their lips. We can have a deadly, deadly words that hurt people so badly. Psalm 58. Psalm 58, verse 4. Psalm 58, and verse 4. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the death adder that stoppeth her ear. You know, there's people you can talk to them and you can tell them you need to be careful of what you say. You're, you're hurting people with your words. And they don't listen. They don't hear the rebuke. They're like a deaf adder that stoppeth their ear. Doesn't hear. And they won't listen. And they won't listen to your pleadings either to stop. They just want to say what they want to say. They don't care who they hurt. We need to be careful. What comes out of this mouth can cause such damage to the people around us. Now look, back in James chapter 3, in verse 11, it says this, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And we know that's impossible. That's impossible. No matter how big the river is, the river started at one place. It has a beginning somewhere. 
And that spring is either fresh water or salt water. It's either sweet or bitter. It can't be both. It's one or the other. So it's one fountain. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water or bitter? No. It's one or the other. Your heart is either sweet or it's bitter. It's either clean or it's impure. The spring's one or the other. We want the source to be pure. It's about checking our hearts, really, the tongue. If you want to check your tongue, you need to first check your heart. Is your heart sweet or is it bitter? Is it pure or is it dirty or impure? That'll make all the difference in the world. I guess I should catch up here. Now look, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I mean, a tree brings after its kind. That's just the way it is. And the salt water, if it's either salt water or fresh water, and if it's going to be a berry tree, it's going to bring forth berries, not figs. What is buried in our hearts is eventually going to come out. I don't care how much you try to hold it down. You've got to get it out of your heart. You've got to confess it for what it is. It's a poison waiting to strike, like the adder, and to hurt someone. This is all about our hearts. You can't hide it, because eventually it will surface itself. It will come out. What is buried in your heart will come out, and it will show the fruit of what's in your heart. Look at verse 14 and 15. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthy, sensual, and devilish. As far as I'm concerned, it comes straight from hell. Envying and strife with each other amongst church members and things like that, that comes straight from hell. He would like nothing more than to divide and conquer and have people against each other and hurting each other. He would love to do that. He'd love to do it in this church while the pastor's away. He'd love to get something started. And don't think for one minute he's not going to try. He would love to see talking behind people's backs instead of talking words of kindness and grace. And you know, speaking grace, you know what speaking grace is? When somebody's in your face and talking at you and, and talking bad about you and you just speak kindness back to them. That's grace. Grace is giving somebody what they don't deserve, right? So you don't fight back. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Like I try to tell people, banging, banging your two knuckles together, one of them is going to start bleeding. But if you take away one of those knuckles, you got nothing to fight against. Give them a soft pillow. Speak grace. The devil would love to cause envying and strife. We still got eight months to go here, don't we? Over eight months to go. Let's keep this thing going. Let's love each other the way we've been taught. But if you have envying and strife, you need to get on your knees and confess it for what it is. Because it's your problem. It's not my problem. If I have it, it's my problem. I don't want you to have it. I need to give it to God. I need to confess it for sin. What's the problem in my heart? And that's worldly wisdom. I don't go to the world for wisdom. It's sensual and it's devilish. I go to the Bible for my my counsel. And it does nothing but promote confusion. And I'll tell you, you tell me. Who's the author of confusion? The devil is. The devil is the author of confusion. God is the author of order. And it comes from our own lust and it comes from our own sinful hearts. Envying and strife. It's not the other person's fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. I can stop envying and strife by turning away wrath with a soft answer. By by speaking grace to the hearers. The why, the how of 
to tame the tongue. Verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And then we read there about a fountain setting forth uh, at the same place sweet water and bitter. The goal for us is to have one pure, sweet, clear fountain for our words to come from. So what do we have to do? Keep your heart. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. We all know this verse of Scripture. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So what does God want us to do? To guard it. To guard your heart. Put a big wall around it. Guard it like, put a vault. Put it in a vault. When your heart is soft, guard it. Be careful. Keep it soft and pure and clean. Walking with the Lord. Because out of it are the issues of life. Out of it are the decisions that you make and the words that you speak. Come from here. This is where, this is where the devil's trying to attack. What you think eventually goes down into your heart. What are you putting into your heart? The illustration is you are what you eat. Amen. You are what you eat. You eat a lot of pizza and ice cream, you will look like you've eaten a lot of pizza and ice cream. Amen? Look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. The words that you speak did not start here. They started down here in your heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, said he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever you have in your heart is who you are. It's what you say. It's what you do. So if we're going to check our tongue, and if we're going to guard our tongue, we have to first guard our heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So, Guard your heart by putting a wall around it. What's the wall that we can put around our heart? Bible truth. Put the Bible around it. Guard it with truth. That's, that's what we want to do. Be diligent. That is an impenetrable vault. If we keep pouring in this Word and be doers of the Word, not hearers only, amen? Get it from here down to here. It's like a vault. It's like a big wall around our heart to keep it soft. And keep it clean. Guard your heart by getting this Bible down into it. Look at Proverbs 24. We're in Proverbs 24. Verses 30. Verse 30. Proverbs 24.30 I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Oh, that's that's not something we want. We don't want our wall broken down. Guard it. That slothful man. He doesn't watch his field. He doesn't keep the stone wall up. And pretty soon, all the, the whole field is ruined. Well, the field is our heart. 
And imagine your heart as a soft, plowed field. You want to guard it. You want to be careful. What goes in to that field? Keep it in good condition. What are you sowing in it? What are you sowing in that field? What are you sowing in your heart? What did you put in your heart today? And what will you put in your heart tomorrow? What's being prepared in there? What are you sowing? What's being nurtured to grow? Keep the wall in good condition with Bible truth. All you got to do is look at what's growing. Because that will tell you whether you need to change it or not. Just look at what, what comes out of your mouth. What's in your life? Are you allowing these things into your life? Because ultimately they come out in your speech and they come out in your actions. The tongue can be checked. It's a matter of checking the heart first. Because that's where they come from. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now look, all our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. But we still do have to stand before Jesus someday. And I wonder about these verses talking about idle words. Look at verse 36, 1236. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Look, most men are going to stand there at that great white throne judgment, and they're going to have a thing to say because the books will be open and all their works will be shown for what they are, and they're going to be cast back into the lake of fire. But Christian, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. So I wonder, is He going to run that past me, all my idle words? All those things I said that were useless, didn't help anybody, and tore people down. It's almost like I don't want to be there. I don't want my words to come back. All the words that I've said that have, that have just not been helpful words. They've been idle words. Someday, every idle word I will give an account for. Be careful what you say. Because it comes from your heart. The thing that we need to check most of all is our heart. How to tame the tongue. Get wisdom from above. Get wisdom from your Bible. You know, in in verse James 3.17 it says, But the wisdom that, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom from above. That's the wisdom from God. That's what the Bible tells us how to talk. That to me is a picture of Jesus Christ. You wouldn't hear Him say any crossword or something that wasn't true, obviously. He never told a lie. But for us, we need to make sure that our wisdom is coming from from the Bible and not from the world. Remember what Mama said? She said, don't speak until you're spoken to. That's what my mama told me anyway when I was with adults. Don't speak until you're spoken to. Wait for God to fill your mouth. I thought of that verse. Um, well, it's in, it's in Psalm 81. Psalm 81 and verse 10. I don't know. My mother was always right. <laughs> Amen. Trying to help you out, ladies. Don't speak until you're spoken to. Oh, you know what? Psalm 81.10 says, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. So you know what? Mama was right. 
don't speak until you're spoken to. And when you open your mouth, God will fill it. You'll have the right things to say. Wait for God to fill your mouth with words. If you don't have something nice to say, shut up. Put duct tape over it. Because even a fool is counted wise if he keeps his mouth shut, the Bible says. Let's just be careful what we're going to say. Wait for God to fill your mouth with the words. You know, a lot of times people ask you for counsel. I don't know about you. Uh, but they'll ask me something, and I really don't know how to answer them just then. Now, I could say a whole lot of things, but for me, most of the time, I have to think about what they've told me. And then I, and then I wait for God to fill my mouth. Because some things you can, you can instantly give counsel on, but other times I have to wait and think about it. I, I, give me some time to think about the situation. And then God fills our mouth. If we'll wait, He'll fill it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Wisdom for men only promotes envying and strife. You don't need my wisdom. You need God's wisdom. So if we're going to help somebody, let's get the wisdom from God. Wait and make sure you know what you want to tell the person. Get wisdom from above. We need the Bible to know what God has to say. Now God's wisdom is first, I really believe, a picture of Jesus Christ. As we just go through these, I'm just going to name them off to you. It's first pure. Uh, James 3.17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That means it's clean. It's pure. It's proper. Words are sincere. Undefiled. Innocent. Unpolluted. That's Jesus' words. He never said anything that defiled. Never said anything that was impure. God's wisdom is first it's pure. It's clean and proper. It's peaceable. That means it's free from strife. It's quiet words. It's calming words. There's no arguing and no anger. God's wisdom is peaceable. God's wisdom is first gentle. Which means it's mild and meek. Isn't that our Lord? Isn't that our Lord? He's mild and meek. Soft. Not harsh. Well, Jesus could say some hard things, I'm sure in a very calming voice, but He would speak truth. Not harsh or rough, always appropriate. Wouldn't you like to always say the right thing at the right time? Hmm. <laughs> that always doesn't happen, does it? Many times you say the wrong thing at the right time. <laughs> or the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know, you always want to say what's appropriate. And the words, I don't understand it completely, the words that are patient. Words that wait to be said. Saying the right thing at the right time. How about easy to be entreated? If, if, if you could listen to anybody speak, wouldn't you like to listen to Jesus? And we're going to listen to Him for eternity when we get to heaven. Wouldn't you just like to listen to His words? Persuasive, compliant, easy to listen to. That's what it means. Easy to be entreated. You could just sit and listen to Jesus speak all day. And they're full of mercy. God's wisdom is first full of mercy. Words that show pity. When you talk to somebody, it's pitiful words. Compassionate words. Words of mercy. You want to help. You're trying to understand. You've pulled up alongside them. You don't come and revile them. Talk bad to them. You come and forgive and pardon. That's wisdom from above. And then good fruits. Full of good fruits. It produces the right results, the words that you say. The wisdom that comes from God always produces the right results. Wouldn't you like your words to, to bring forth the right results? 
for your words to be honoring to God. For your words to always bring the right effect and produce the right results. That's good fruits. But that wisdom comes from up there and from this book, not from men. Without partiality, I am not partial, but without partiality is what's in your Bible. It doesn't choose sides. You know when you're trying to talk to people and mediate a situation? You don't want to choose sides. You're just finding what is the right thing to say here. What is What would God say is the right thing to do here? It doesn't matter who it is. You're not choosing sides. You're not picking this person above that person. It doesn't matter who they are. What matters is what God has said. I am without partiality. I treat everybody the same way. You take God's side in the matter. Whatever God says is the right thing to say. You're not persuaded by those involved. You're not biased. Wrong is wrong for everybody. Right is right for everybody. So it doesn't matter who you're talking to. You don't try to hold back. If, if there's something that needs to be said that is what God has said, what is right, then they need to hear it. And it's without hypocrisy. That just means it's real. God's wisdom is genuine. It's not deceitful. There's no faking it. It's genuine. It's sincere. Words from a real... Your heart is real. Your heart is genuine. There's no false appearances. This way of speaking and this wisdom comes from God. It comes from our Bible. His words. So anytime you want wisdom from above, just open your Bible. And we'll know how to talk. We'll know how to say what words to say in every situation. And finally, how to tame the tongue. We need to walk with God. We need to keep our heart. We need to get wisdom from above. And then we need to walk with God. Look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now that's our verse, but let me read 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 1. You know, a simple life lived every day in fellowship with God can curb that tongue. It can curb the tongue. And the first thing I want to show you is that walketh not. You see that in verse 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who are you walking with? Who's your daily associations? Who's your friends? Where do you go? Who are you listening to? Are you getting counsel from the brethren and from God? Or are you getting counsel from your friends who are unsaved? Are they really your friends? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That doesn't take their counsel from the ungodly people. Don't depend on the unsaved people to give you counsel. The blessed man, the prosperous man, will depend upon God and His Word. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to associate with people that are unsaved unless I'm trying to help them understand who God is and be saved. Don't depend on the unsaved to give you good counsel. They don't have the wisdom of God. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You have your best counselor right on your lap. Your Bible. Be in your Bible. That's walking with God. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. And look, if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, sooner or later you're going to start doing the things that the ungodly do. And you're slowly but surely moving away from God. First you're starting to listen to them, what they have to say, and uh, you bring your problems to the ungodly. It doesn't make any sense. That man is not blessed. Pretty soon, you're doing what they do. You're partaking of their ways. Instead of being different, instead of being salt and light, you're acting just like them. You're standing in the way of sinners. That means you're partaking of the things that they partake of. We have to walk with God in order to check our heart, which is going to check our tongue. Nor sitteth, it says, in the seat of the scornful. The blessed man doesn't, doesn't mock God. You'll find yourself talking just like them. You'll be mocking God. The same God that you loved at one point, now you're hanging out with the wrong people and associated with the wrong people and taking counsel from the wrong people. Now you're starting to do what they do. Now pretty soon you're mocking the same God who may have saved you already. You scorn and boast against your God. You find yourself talking just like them. Complaining, murmuring, unthankful, boasting, prideful. Don't think it can't happen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. That's up to us. Our delight should be in the law of the Lord, and in His delight, and in His law, we should meditate day and night. You have to walk with God. One more verse, Psalm 19. Turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And in verse 14. Maybe one way to end this is just to read this verse. Psalm 19, 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my what? Heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. While the words coming out of my mouth will be alright if God is, is pleased with the meditations of my heart. If I'm spending time with Him every day, then the things that will come out of my mouth will be coming out of that one fountain that's pure and clean. So, do we have some work to do? I'm sure we do. To clean up our speech and honor God with our words, I'm sure there's some things that are either stuck down in our heart or uh, we found ourselves in a habit of talking a certain way. It's going to have to start with your heart. And a steady diet of wholesome words. The Bible is wholesome words. Good words from the Bible. Let's start getting them down into our heart. That will help us to speak like God wants us to speak. And then make every day a walk with God and in His presence alone. That will tame our tongue. Amen? Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's so much that the Bible says about our tongue. Really, Lord, we know that it's just about our heart. It's about what we allow into our heart that comes out 
through our mouth, and sometimes we hurt people, and uh, we hurt those that we love. So, Father, I pray that we would spend more time with you and get wisdom from above and not produce envying and strife, but speak words of grace and encouragement and kindness and comfort. The soft answer will turn away wrath. Father, help us to have good words and a tongue that uh, just honors you. Lord, whatever we can glean tonight from your scriptures will be good for us, Lord, to check our own hearts and to check our tongues in the way we speak with each other. So I pray you bless uh, the preaching of the Word of God tonight. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.